Ask Aubrey is supported by Eliza and Wild. Eliza and Wild creates all natural, high potency CBD products designed to give you targeted everyday self care inside and out. Their ingestible and topical CBD products are consciously designed with all natural and intentionally sourced ingredients and fully recyclable packaging. So it's good for you and for the earth. And y'all, Eliza and Wild literally does not have a single product that I don't love. I have them all and everything smells and tastes incredible and is made with ingredients that I can feel good about putting on and in my body. I take the CBD and MCT oil drops daily and they help me to really keep my anxiety and my tension under control. And they also have a line of amazing CBD topical products including this lip balm that I am truly obsessed with. And like, did you know that CBD actually has anti-inflammatory properties when you apply it directly to your skin? Because I didn't until I started to use this lip balm and it is changing my life. And also it smells amazing, which we all know is really important. And I know that you're going to love these products just as much as I do. So when you grab yours at elizaandwild.com, you can use the promo code Aubrey15 at checkout for 15% off your order. That's elizaandwild.com, E-L-I-Z-A-A-N-D-W-Y-L-D.com. And make sure to use code Aubrey15, that's A-U-B-R-E-E-1-5, for 15% off. I'm Aubrey Henderson. I'm a recovering people pleaser turned self-worth coach here to help you befriend your inner critic, break up with people pleasing, and reconnect with your desire. Every week, I share my answers to your questions, live coaching sessions, interviews, and more to help you reconnect with your self-worth. Have you ever felt stuck in your life and just needed a really fucking good pep talk? Well, babe, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey babes, how's it going? Welcome to today's episode. Today we're going to talk about a letter that touches on some themes of self-care, self-love, and how the ways that we center these values and these actions can actually impact the people around us as well. And this letter writer today uh, really highlights the tension between prioritizing self-care and kind of our general life responsibilities and the ways that this balance can unintentionally, um, sometimes even negatively impact the people around us in our lives. So let's dig into this letter. Hey, Aubrey, I'm wondering if you could touch on this conflict that has been eating at me for the past year. I'd love to hear your insight. It brings me an incredible amount of joy how self-love, self-acceptance, and self-care has somewhat made its way into today's cultural norm and language. It's accepted, it's encouraged, and I love it. But what I struggle with is how its trendiness, or how individuals choose to interpret this practice of self-care, is affecting values of hard work, resilience, and honestly, just getting shit done. What I'm seeing around me are individuals putting off important tasks or appointments because they, quote, didn't feel like doing that today, showing up to work late consistently, or staying home to, quote, take care of myself, 
and putting the consequences and burden of these behaviors on their own family members, coworkers, and friends. As a psychotherapist, I have a healthy understanding of trauma and how it presents itself, etc. And I feel mindful of the countless barriers that each individual may be carrying that are contributing to the disorganization and disconnectedness. But these aren't the situations I'm thinking of as I share this. I'm thinking of situations where individuals choose to use self-love and self-care as an excuse to rest when they're expected to show up. I'm thinking of individuals who have no identified clinical needs but cannot seem to prioritize promptness. Friends who struggle to pay rent on time but indulge in pedicures and massages for their version of self-care. Parents who have all the time in the world for brunch dates, sports, and Netflix, but avoid playtime with their children or avoid teacher phone calls at all costs. Coworkers who say they can't come in because they have a headache and are feeling fatigued, but say this every other day and have wonderful health insurance but cannot get themselves to the doctor's office. This may sound super direct, but many of us get headaches. Many of us are tired or feel nauseous. Many of us feel like crying some days. And we show up and get shit done. When we need that break, we give others a proper heads up and we take that break. We call and make that therapy appointment for ourselves. I feel like I'm constantly practicing grace with others, constantly self-reflecting on, am I being too uptight about this? And being labeled as the overachiever when I'm honestly just doing the bare minimum and practicing basic courtesy. I felt validated recently when I finally shared my thoughts with a seasoned therapist friend who laughed and said, no, you're not crazy. There's a level of responsibility needed in the home. There's a level of professionalism to be demonstrated in the workplace. A phrase I love sharing is, Our behaviors are our values dressed up. And I know that my anger comes around this from a huge personal value of strong work ethic and resilience that I've been taught in my own culture and family. I guess what I'm needing is some encouragement and reminders on how to frame my thoughts healthily around this. I'm constantly reframing my own thoughts and love cognitive therapy, but we always need others' insight and verbal processing of it too. And also some advice on the language to use with the people I've described. Ultimately, I want to be a gracious and loving friend, but I'm starting to feel weary. So I'm going to be super honest and tell you that parts of this letter really challenged me and were hard for me to read. And as you know, if you've hung out here with me for a while, that I am a huge, huge advocate and even evangelist of, you know, things like self-care and self-love. I encourage folks to set boundaries, to say no to things that feel like shit and to not be shy about it, to pursue the life that you want to be living, the way that you want to be feeling, um, to take time for yourself and not to feel shame about doing things that work well for you, even if... Others sometimes won't understand those choices. And so to hear this letter writer pushing back on some of those things that I hold so dear, I mean, I'll admit it put me on the defensive at first. Um, So that was something I noticed and I felt pretty acutely. And I wanted to share with you all as the, you know, first thing I say in response to this letter, because I'm sure I'm not the only one who felt that. But I absolutely think there are tons of important and interesting things for us to dig into here. And so, you know, even though I had that initial reaction of like, at times kind of defensiveness, I, I you know, want to encourage you to keep listening to the response, keep going with this. So ultimately, I think this is a really important and really interesting letter. Because in a world that is so full of stress and, 
you know, a way of life where there is just always endless work to be done. The to-do list is seemingly ever regenerating, never ends. And I mean, like, this is capitalism, right? This is the system that we exist in. We have got to be able to find a way to take care of ourselves and to prioritize our mental health and our wellness and to have boundaries while also being able to perform the basic functions of our lives. And like this part is undeniable. There are things that, you know, as a human with a job, as a human who is in relationships or who is a part of a family unit or, you know, lives in a home with other human beings, there are things that we have to do that are undeniable. And so, you know, those things can sometimes be in direct tension with one another. And the person who wrote this letter shares in the letter that they actually work in the mental health field. They're a psychotherapist, they say that. And so they do have a sense of the importance of things like taking breaks, taking care of yourself, being aware of your your mental health and your well-being. But they're saying they also have these examples of feeling the impact of people in their lives doing what they're perceiving as kind of shirking their responsibilities in the name of self-care and kind of using self-care as an excuse. And, you know, there are ways that this can tangibly show up at work and in relationships where folks honestly simply just aren't doing the shit that they need to be doing. And that happens, right? Um, But because so many of us are, you know, more commonly aware of the importance of recharging, of setting boundaries, of being aware of your own needs, the importance of self-care, it can feel contradictory to that value to then still have to hold firm to these needs that people need to meet as an employee of a company or an organization. There's still things you need to live up to even in the midst of taking care of yourself. That as a spouse, there are things that you need to be able to do to be in relationship with another person. That as a parent, there are things that you're still going to have to be able to step up and do and balance those with self-care, right? That those things are true. And so to, to be able to then you know, reinforce that can feel hard. They're in direct opposition with one another. At least it can feel that way. Um, And so this letter writer is also pretty self-aware in identifying how their own values, their own belief system, um, and cultural kind of upbringing around things like hard work and resilience. These things are coming into play for them, that they're viewing this through their lens of really valuing work ethic and resilience. And so they're then ascribing some of these same values onto others, and it is causing some feelings of frustration, some feelings of anger that very clearly come up for this letter writer. And so I want to first talk about the part of the letter that stuck out to me and was was kind of hard for me to read at times. And I want to, I'll just summarize it. I won't totally read it verbatim again if you want to, if you want to, you know, rewind back a couple of minutes and listen to it again. But this is the basic gist. The letter writer says, I'm thinking of people who have no identified clinical needs, but they can't seem to prioritize promptness being on time. Um, Friends who struggle to pay rent, but indulge in pedicures and massages, which is their version of self-care. Parents who have plenty of time for brunches and sports and Netflix, but they don't have playtime with their children or they avoid phone calls with teachers. Coworkers who say they can't come in because they don't feel well. Um, but they would say this every other day and they have amazing health insurance and they refuse to go to the doctor or go to a therapist. And, you know, they, they identify here, this might sound super direct, but many of us get headaches, many of us are tired, many of us feel sick, many of us feel like crying, and still we show up and get shit done. So I have a couple of things to say in response to this. And the first is just, is just a reminder of something I will say over and over, which is that we never 
see the full picture of other people's lives. Even the people who are close to us, who we see every single day, we never know the full picture of what someone else is experiencing. We cannot ever fully know why someone can't prioritize being on time to a meeting or why someone might choose to prioritize something like a pedicure or a brunch that might feel superfluous to you and me, but for them might be the difference between being able to get out of bed that day or not. We simply do not know. Um, You know, even with great health insurance, there are 10 million and one reasons why it might be hard for someone to go to the doctor or to set up an appointment with a therapist. And so, you know, just want to remind folks of that, that we never know the full picture of why someone is making the choices that they make about their own lives. And if I'm being totally honest, I mean, what I hear more than anything in this part of this letter is actually resentment. And especially in that last line where they, you know, they self-identify as like, this is really direct, but like, we all struggle, but some of us still show up and get shit done. And this is absolutely true, right? There is there's struggle inherent in life. Everyone is going to struggle to some extent. And we do ultimately have to find a way to be able to hold those things and to, to you know, keep shit moving. I agree with that 100%. But like I said, we don't know the full picture of someone else's story. And I think to the letter writer that you're missing the point here by focusing on things like whether a parent would want to go out for brunch with their friends or zone out on Netflix sometimes instead of spending time with their kids. And I had to dig into it because I am someone with kids. As someone with two kids, I love the shit out of my children. I do love them deeply, truly. But Lord Jesus, sometimes I just need a goddamn break. And I think this is true of every parent I know. Sometimes I would rather just sit and watch Netflix near my kid, then build another thing with Legos or read the same fucking children's book for the 723rd time. (laughs) And so that's, so there's that. But even though, you know, I fit into some of these categories you list in your letter, I don't believe that I'm actually the person you're frustrated with here. I think, you know, your frustration to me, the way I read this letter feels rooted in basically how this stuff impacts people outside of the ones actually engaging in self-care while the person who's actually engaging in the self-care activity appears to you to be largely unaffected by any of the consequences of their actions. And again, I really respect the self-awareness here where you say, you know, I, I feel this anger and it's rooted in kind of my strong values from my upbringing around hard work, work ethic, resilience. And I'll be the first to say, it's really fucking hard when we personally hold a strong value and others around us don't share that, or at least it doesn't appear that way. And I agree with you that, you know, this this statement that I think is, is really interesting and illustrative, I've never heard it before, but this idea that our behaviors are our values just dressed up. I think our actions speak volumes. And I also agree with your colleague, friend, who says that there are some basic responsibilities associated with being a part of a family or being a part of a workplace or being someone's friend. So you ask at the end of your letter, I guess what I'm needing is some encouragement and reminders on how to frame my thoughts healthily around this. Um, You know, we always need others' insight and hear the way others process it too. And also some advice on the language to use with the people I've described. Ultimately, I want to be a gracious and loving friend, but I'm starting to feel weary. So I totally hear this. And I think... This is a helpful way to think about this. It totally makes sense to me that you're feeling weary here. 
And I think some of this can look like you reassessing where your energy is going. And so there's a whole category of things here, actually, that I just recommend you try to dismiss from your thoughts and your consciousness if you find yourself getting pissed about them. And those are the things like whether your friend is spending their money on rent or on a mani-pedi or, you know, whether a parent in your circle, a parent that you know is spending more time out to brunch than they're spending quality time with their kid. And now I say this, and this is all different if this is your roommate who's not paying rent or if this is your spouse not spending enough time with your kid that you're parenting together. Um, But I will talk about that one in a minute. I just would want you to do your best to dismiss any thoughts or judgment that come up in how others are choosing to spend their resources, so their time, their money, their energy, because that stuff's just honestly, it's none of your damn business. And I don't even mean that in a shitty way. I mean that in a why would you waste your precious energy worrying whether someone else is doing what they need to be doing unless you are directly impacted by it? And so as for the things that that are impacting you directly, so this is the things like a coworker who isn't doing the shit they need to do at work and then that work is overflowing onto you or a family member or person in your household who isn't pulling their weight or sharing emotional labor in an equitable way. These are folks that you'll probably need to try to give direct feedback to. And so an example that I think is helpful that this makes me think about is how, you know, I have talked in previous podcasts about this idea of asserting your needs, of setting boundaries, and taking care of yourself, specifically in the context of a romantic relationship. So when you're dating someone or you've been in a relationship with someone, I believe, and I will tell people, that it is critically important that you find a way to articulate your needs out loud to the person you're in a relationship with. Telling people super clearly what you need. Telling them directly. And this is hard and really fucking scary sometimes. And it can produce the kind of, you know, icky thoughts and feelings and fear gremlins of like, you know, who the hell am I to ask for this? Or do I even deserve to be treated the way that I'm asking to be treated? You do, and you are a person. That's who you are to ask for this. But that's neither here nor there. I encourage people to, you know, take that really important step and push through that fear because ultimately this could result in you getting what you need. It's a lot more likely to result in you getting what you need than, you know, making somebody guess or intuit what you need. It does your partner a favor. It avoids them having to, you know, just pull something out of thin air or, you know, just make their best guess about what you need. And in many instances, it makes it more likely that your needs actually get met because you're making clear what those needs are and you are you are giving your partner a chance to rise to the occasion by making the bar clear. But there is also always the possibility when you do this that the other person, the person that you're dating, will say no to your request. That you'll say In order to feel loved in our relationship, I need you to tell me that you love me 16 times per day. And that the other person will say, okay, I hear you, and I am not willing to do that. And then you have a decision to make. Because let's be very clear, just because you were brave enough to assert your needs and ask for what you want in a relationship does not mean that the other person is obligated to comply with or fulfill that request just because you made it. And in fact, them saying no Them saying no 
is a way that they are confidently asserting their own boundary or need. Them saying no is their prerogative. And that isn't bad. (laughs) Does it feel bad? Sure, maybe. But we cannot get brave enough to assert our own needs and take the leap of asking for what we want or need and then get pissed when someone else does the same. When someone else sets their own boundary and says no. Because that is how consent works. But that's another podcast for another day. (laughs) So the way I see this translating back to, you know, the letter writer and to their situation is that it sounds like people in their life, whether at work or in their personal life, are asserting a need for self-care. So let's use the example of, you know, somebody consistently showing up to work late because they were taking care of themselves. And the situation changes slightly depending on whether you're this person's boss or their colleague, or their friend, or their spouse, or their parent, right? Your ability to affect change is just going to be slightly different depending on the power dynamic that's there and their level of accountability to you. But let's say you have an employee, so you are the boss, and you have an employee who is consistently late to work, and they are citing, I was taking care of myself as the reason why. So that is likely going to need to result in a conversation with them about what taking care of themselves looks like and figuring out a solution that still allows them to take care of themselves because that's important and any good employer wants their staff to be well and to be happy while doing their job, but that also addresses the fact that they are performing a basic function of their work that's direct and honest about that. And ultimately, that's a manager's job, right? is to ensure that their staff have what they need to be successful and happy in their work, while also, of course, being sure that their job performance is where it needs to be. Both of those things need to be true. And this becomes a little stickier if you aren't that person's manager, because then they don't have as much accountability to you. So, you know, it's not as likely that you're going to be able to say like, hey, you need to do this because it's the expectation of your job. And they're going to be like, okay, great. But I still believe there's space to give someone feedback. Anytime something they're doing is impacting you directly. So that could sound like, hey, I've noticed that you've been pretty regularly arriving 30 minutes late to the office and I've been having to do, insert task here, which is your responsibility. Um, So I'm wondering if we can discuss a different solution. You know, something like that. I mean, if there's a concrete way that it's impacting you and your workflow, that gives you a really, like a direct avenue for you to deliver feedback and for you to make it clear to that person that their their current self-care plan is having a direct negative impact on you. So this is also, you know, potentially something to flag for your own manager. So they're aware of your own workflow and everything that you're working on, especially if it's your manager and also the manager of the person who's coming in late, and they need to be aware of that concern as well. Of course, there's all kinds of dynamics in this at work. But the first step is giving the feedback, flagging that it's a problem instead of, you know, kind of stewing in frustration about it, which is not necessarily what you're doing. You haven't made that explicit here, letter writer, but um, just in case it is, giving someone some feedback about it is going to be step one here. And with friends, it's a little more blurry because there's not that same, you know, do these functions of your job or you won't have this job anymore mentality, really. But I still think you have to be honest and direct about the impact of a person's behaviors on your life. So that could look like, Hey, Karen, I noticed that you are pretty regularly late when we make plans. And I know that's not your intention, but when you're late every single time that we get together, it makes me feel like you might not value my time or the time that we spend together. Period. End of sentence. Karen needs to hear that. 
Because guess what? After you give that feedback, Karen then has a decision to make. Does she hear you and take it to heart and assure you that this is not the message she intends to be sending you and work to be on time or closer to it when you meet up in the future? Does she just continue to be late as if she never heard what you said at all? You know, she might say, I hear you and it is certainly not my intention to send you that message that I don't value you or your time. But when I come to meet you, it is always right after I drop my kids off at school and their schedule and how long I get tied up at school is super variable. So I'm not going to be able to promise you that I'll be on time every time. Now, that might not be the answer you want to hear, but do you see what this has done, though? It has put our values and our intentions out on the table. It has started a conversation. It allows you to have a real meaningful discussion with Karen without assuming the worst intentions. (laughs) And honestly, Karen might just say, fuck you, dude. This is how I am and I'm not sorry. (laughs) And maybe you decide you don't want to be Karen's friend anymore because maybe promptness is a top tier deal breaker quality for you. And frankly, no one gets to decide that but you. No one gets to decide what a friendship hinges on but you. But at least what you're doing is you're giving the feedback and allowing that person to make a decision about whether they're going to continue that behavior and continue to send that message or whether you're flagging like, hey, this is the message you're sending. And then you give that person the chance to rise to the occasion. And so my biggest takeaway for you here, letter writer, and for anyone listening, this is something that I feel can truly transform the entire way that you move through life, through your relationships, if you really adopt this mindset, is to try to operate from a place of assuming that most folks are just doing their best. That in general, people are not trying to be lazy or inconvenience you or make you feel like you're working harder than everyone else. They are just people dealing with their own shit. And that the best thing you can do for yourself and for them is really just to zero in on exactly what it is about the situation that's impacting you. And I'm talking literally asking yourself, and you know, y'all know I am a fan of like, encouraging you to talk to yourself. So I'm. this is talking to yourself. Literally asking yourself that question anytime that you start to feel angry or pissed off or judgmental about someone else's choices or behaviors around self-care or around anything else, to ask yourself, how exactly is this affecting me right now? And addressing that part of it, okay? And if the answer is, it's not affecting me right now, then you're going to have to do some work to be able to dismiss it. You're still probably going to notice it and you're going to feel some feelings about it. And you know what? I am not in the business of telling you not to feel your feelings. But notice the feeling. Ask it the question, how exactly is this affecting me right now? And if the answer is it's not, this is not directly impacting me, then you dismiss that thought or feeling and you send it on its merry way because ruminating on it is not serving you. You say you're weary, and this is part of why. I really believe that. And listen, you deserve the self-care we've been talking about in this episode too. You deserve the self-care. But for you, that's probably going to look less like a bubble bath and more like letting other folks make their own goddamn choices and being at peace with it and owning the fact that you can set a boundary if and when it starts to splash onto you. Okay? 
that there is nothing wrong with valuing hard work, with valuing resilience, and there's also nothing wrong with valuing self-care, and that those things can coexist with one another. And when they're impacting you, when it's causing real conflict and real stress and real issue in your life, that you can feel empowered to address it directly and to not have to carry that anger, but to address it and to give folks a chance to rise to the occasion, to give folks a chance to potentially adjust and at the very least to open it to a conversation. So I really hope this is helpful to you, letter writer, and I hope you'll, um, you know, implement some of these techniques and give us an update. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babe.